0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jamie Rossi with Jeremy Hogue uh, on again the the reoccurring the recurring guest, which we started with the uh, agree or disagree that usually turned out to be kind of agree, kind of agree, <laughs> and it's uh-huh. and it's sort of morphed into. Uh-huh the uh, really just a rational discussion, you know, like that's, that's really where we've kind of taken this. It's like, oh, I can see the point. I can see how that would be an exception. I can see how that would be the same or, or different. We find that we, we actually agree Quite a bit more than we were thinking after that initial conversation. Remember, where I was like, Oh, like you don't have to read books. And you're like, I don't know. Let's talk about it. You know, like,
1: (laughs) I know. We were like, Oh, completely opposite. And you're like, Actually, I see that viewpoint. And I was like, Oh, well, I think you're more nuanced than don't read books.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so the topic that came up last week is an interesting topic because I worked for, for many years as a financial advisor, retirement planner. I worked with people that were planning for retirement in which the scenario was, how long do I have to work until I don't have to work anymore? And retirement, of course, everybody's heard of retirement. It's like this coveted thing that affords you the ability to not have to work anymore. And it's quite an interesting concept to me. And I found it very ironic that I was helping people attain something that I wasn't interested in attaining, and we looked up what was the what was the definition that I pulled up for retirement earlier. It's it's really interesting. Let I let think see. it was
1: to withdraw. So here, it's the action or fact of leaving one's job and stopping or ceasing to work. Um, the period of one's life after leaving one's job and ceasing to work, uh, and it came from. Uh, let's see. I think it was
0: uh, like a French word. Yeah.
1: I'm trying to see. It doesn't show it. I guess retirement. It's funny. There's this graph that shows like when retirement became a thing. It was like not talked about in the 1800s, 1900s. and 19- 1950s <laughs> spiked like crazy. And now it's kind of funneling back down. Like yeah, are not talking about retirement as much as they used to. So that's <laughs> kind of interesting. So, yeah. I guess now we just die. I don't know what the plan is now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's really funny because I, you know, I was in the military for 10 years and occasionally I'll go out to the Veterans Administration for an annual checkup or whatever to have blood work done. And you'll see these old time, old time guys that are, uh, you know, they're just like cutting it up and talking about how fun it was when they were, when they were overseas or when they were in active duty. And the the, the interesting thing is, is they they relate the most fun part of their time, fun part of their life was their time in the military, which is considered service, it's not necessarily like the easiest thing, but it's funny to see that that viewpoint. I can't personally see, like we were talking before, and I, I was saying how the the people think there's actually security in having a lot of money. If you have a million dollars, or five million, or ten million, or if you have this income stream, and there's this idea that that provides some sort of security. It now it does provide you know the basic necessities that you need your food your housing your cars your your spending money but to think that that having that is a form of security i think is a false is a false sense of security because as soon as that money goes away whether the market downturns or inflation goes way up or you spend it irresponsibly then then you don't have it anymore and so to me security isn't something that can go away very easily you know what i mean like if if the market goes down and inflation goes up and you had a million and now you have four hundred thousand that's not secure you know so my point in that was that that the security actually comes from your ability to to make the income it's not necessarily your ability to stop working and then continue to draw uh, whatever amount of money that I'm going to disagree here.
1: I'm going to disagree here. Yeah. I'm going yeah. Yeah, let's see where I take this thing. But uh, <laughs> I think if you I think it's step 1, right? I think step 1 is can, can you make the money, right? So that mm-hmm. is the first step because if you can't make the money, then you've got nothing. But you got to make the money, you got to mm-hmm. keep the money, right? Meaning mm-hmm. don't waste it on stupid shit, don't gamble it away, don't do whatever. Then you got to multiply the money. I think if you can do those three things, then you've built security. I think there is a value to um, like if I had $10 million in the bank or if anybody had $10 million in the bank and they were able to get 5% return, which is very reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. On some very secure investments, much better than a savings account, which I'm sure you can tell us all much more about than I can. Yeah. But I I think 5% is pretty reasonable. I can live on $500,000 a year very easily. I could even live on $100,000, take the other $400,000, reinvest it every year. So I have an asset that's growing, right? Yeah, I have something yeah. relatively secure. I think there's investments, right? Like That are like, I mean, right now, the US Treasury bonds are at 4%, right? So like, I mean, that is backed by the full faith of the US government. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think you're going to lose that. So I think there's, and I know you're not saying like security, like like at the end of the day, first you have to make the money and you have to continue to have that ability. But I think if I had $10 million in the bank, I would have the security to, to maybe go do something else. Maybe I did a job that I hated, that made me a bunch of money. I used that money to parlay that into let's say I built a business and I was like, Great, I don't love yeah, this business yeah, yeah. anymore. I sold it for five million dollars. I'm gonna invest it. I know my life needs are covered and now I'm gonna go play the piano. I always wanted to play the piano, but I never really thought I could make any money with it. And, you know, I go play dive bars and but play the piano and dive yeah. bars and be the piano man and enjoy myself, right? Like Yeah, go. yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, I think and I think there's nothing wrong with that. The distinguishment really is that when is to completely withdraw from everything, you know, because that's like the derivation of this word retire. It's like to to, to go away from or to, to go to a safe place or to go away from. And when when you see the people that retire, they have just enough money, they start to collect their pension, they get whatever it is, 6000 a month, 10,000 a month from Social Security, their pension and retirement savings. And the idea to do nothing these guys end up going back to work in two to three years because they yeah. lose their mind. And it's so, it, again, it's not necessarily about the money. It's about just your ability to kind of like overcome things or to, to have some enjoyment. There's no enjoyment in doing absolutely nothing. At least for me, you know, it drives me nuts.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. With I think, I think the, mo- the saddest people are the ones that have nothing to do that have no challenges to overcome where life is too easy, right? I think you, you always hear the stories of rich kids, right? Kids of rich people. Yeah, right? yeah. Kids taken care of. And yeah. they, they're crazy, right? They yeah. are just nuts. Not all of them, right? I'm not saying everybody, but I don't generalize. But I think you can see it that way too, right? Like,
0: is it? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's true. It's no, it's, it's a good point. Because like, if you take the value of like, if you take the story of the kid who turns 16 and his dad buys him a car. Okay, and then you take the story of the kid who turns 16. He works a summer job. He works 50 hours a week. And then on top of that, he cuts grass. And then at the end of the summer, he spends five thousand dollars and he buys a used car. The the guy that worked for it, that car is worth much more to him than the guy that was just given the car, you know, because so I think that's what creates that uh, sort of like. Laissez faire, whatever attitude about somebody being, you know, the the rich kids, or because it's true because they don't value things at the same rate in which you know somebody worked for them would. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. I think there's, you know.
1: Uh, like I grew up, I didn't get a car when I was 16. I got like 150 bucks towards a scooter, which was a 49 CC scooter. So I'm you know, you know, driving around in that little scooter and man, I valued it. It was better than the bicycle. I was driving, you know, riding before that, but then you know, I got me to 40 miles an hour. It was a lot faster. And I didn't have to pedal. My leg muscles were appreciative of that. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, do I think there's, um, anything bad about getting your kids a car at 16 maybe you know it depends on what you ask of them in return right right I right think right if you just give your kids at 16 a car and there's no nothing in exchange nothing required back well look i, I look at it like this um you know we've got two teenagers 18 16 they yeah both got cars when they were 16 um and for us, it made life easier because yeah. we didn't have to drive them to school anymore. Yep. Uh, we didn't have to pick them up from school. We didn't have to take them to sports. We didn't have to pick them up from babysitting or jobs yep. or things like that. So, so there was an advantage to us, right? Yep. Um, and I think you know, if, as long as they do chores, or they got other things, they're working, they're making money. Maybe they're covering their gas. Yeah. Things like that. I think there's a value to that, but I think there's a difference to that, to, and. You know, oh, you're 16 now. Here's your Porsche. You know, right, right, right. 911, 11, two hundred thousand dollar car, and you don't have to do anything, and everything's covered. And blah, yeah,
0: blah, blah blah blah. Right. Yeah. No, it's true. That's what we did too. It's like it, it. It actually makes our life a bit easier to have our kids have cars because now they can do returns. They can run to the store. They can wash the take the car through the car wash. Like they can do those. Like I have uh, the service done on the cars, and I can just schedule the service they take the car, they sit and wait, I pay for it. And then, you know, so there's that aspect of it, too, that is, is really helpful. And that can be like a form of exchange, you know, they're doing something for something else, and then they can still pay for, you know, their gas and and everything else. So yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's more, I think something is more valuable when you work for it. And I think that's why there's this attitude that, I'm going to work, I'm going to scrimp, I'm going to save and then when I'm 65, I'm not going to do anything. And people find that just from my observation that doing doing nothing really isn't, um, you know, it's not that much fun. It's it's not like, (laughs) like, it would drive me nuts. We're do I do the vitamin uh, IV therapy. And so you know, we do that every now and then and, and it takes about an hour to an hour and a half to get like the full vitamin um infusion so you just have to sit there right yeah. for an hour and a half you have to sit there and for me like by the time the hour and a half is done i'm just like itching to get going to, to do something it doesn't matter if you do it in the morning at the end of the day it's just it's like a a state a, a stale stagnant state mm-hmm. i think and i think some people have that more than others. In other words, like, like some people, it might not bother them. And they really enjoy the relaxing and sitting around for an hour. And some people just don't, you know, like people like me, and you probably got to do stuff all the time.
1: All the time. Yeah, I think. um, I don't know if you've heard of this movement, like fire, uh, financial independence, retire early. But uh, I watched this video one time talking about how you know, all your life, you're working towards having money and being able to retire to, to do the things you want to do, and then you get old, and then you can't do the things because you're old, and yeah. you can't enjoy life. So the idea is more of like, look, when you're younger, when you're in your 30s, in your 40s, take a month off, right? Like yeah. Take a vacation, spend the money. Yeah, it may push your retirement back. But hey, you know, when you know, or whatever, ideally, look, we make enough money, so everybody can live an amazing life and do everything amazing. But Look, like you got a job. Hustle it, right? Yeah. Hustle it until whatever. But you know, don't wait until you're 65 to retire, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Do the things you want to enjoy because once you're old, man, you got body things going on. You know, you get arthritis, you get this, you get that. You don't think about those things. You're like, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. It's like, yeah, yeah. You know, I like the idea of like, man, I'm I'm gonna take you know, um, once the kids are out of the house, maybe we go travel for a month or two, right? Because yeah. I can work from anywhere. I think people now more than ever can work from anywhere. Um, yeah. You know, so I think that's probably a better retirement model. But I think I, I want to agree with you on: look, when you plan to retire, have something to do. Whether it's you want to yeah.
0: play golf all the time, you have friends, you know, you
1: gotta have stuff yeah. to
0: do. Well, and it's the freedom that I think people want. You know, it's the freedom that they want at that point in time, and they consider that the most free thing would be to not do the job that they're currently doing. Because a lot of people hate their jobs, and a lot of people, you know. For reference, or just like to orient myself in the conversation, I have to realize that a lot of people actually do hate their jobs. This is not a. A lot of 63%, people. Sixty-three percent. Yeah. yeah so yes, You even know this stat on it. So it's it's easy for me to say, oh, I always want to work because yeah, because because I look at it as a challenge. It's something that I enjoy doing. Something that's fun. Something that I'm good at. So it's easy for me to go like, eh, I never want to quit working in in some way, shape, or form. But I think the journey is also the more important part. You know, I talked to this guy a uh, friend of mine the other day, who m- netted over a million dollars in 2022. And he still insists on driving a, like a 2004 Hyundai. And I'm like, dude, just like, just just get a car, man, please just do me a favor. Like, it's painful. Like, like, it's painful for me to watch like the on a million dollar income, in terms of like your retirement and your savings, if you just went out and bought nothing crazy, a thirty forty $40,000 car, the 400 bucks a month is like a tenth of a percent of your overall net. You know, what, but but it's it's funny because it's like I see people do that as if it's some sort of badge or accomplishment. And to me, it's not an accomplishment to degrade my condition or my belongings or my house or where I live. It's more of a thing where, like you said, you 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 live life through you kind of retire through life, you don't necessarily have to wait till the end to buy a nice car or to, to take the nice vacation or to travel around Europe, you can do that stuff in your 30s and 40s, if you make it a a priority to earn the income to do it, you know what I mean?
1: yeah yeah i think it's i think there's a balance there right like i don't like the millionaire next door kind of mentality if i've got to save for 40 years and then mm-hmm. i've got money right like i see a bunch of old people around here in florida that have really nice cars and i'm like yeah it's cool
0: that's yeah, awesome yeah, man yeah, yeah
1: but it's like it's okay cool like and i don't know about the car thing yeah like you don't need like a 100 or two hundred thousand dollar car when you're in your 30s i mean look if you're crushing it and you're making millions of dollars yeah it yeah. doesn't really matter but uh you know, I think uh, if, uh, you know, you're hustling, you're making money, yeah, you should you should invest in yourself. And whether that's your home, the neighborhood you live in, the yeah. friends you're around, the car you're driving, um, you know, even if it's the car you're driving from a safety perspective, a 2004 yeah. car yeah. is not as safe as a car made this, you know, this year or last year, right? Like, yeah, uh, after I got into my car accident, I got a Tesla, one, I love Tesla, but two, the safety features, right? They, yeah. It just keeps your attention on the road. It has got, it's got cameras everywhere. It's like
0: super secure. It's got killer safety ratings. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, so that was part of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those are, that. that is a point I didn't even really think of because modern cars are substantially more safe, not only in like structurally, but also with. Uh, the sensors the crash detection um the autopilot they're just it's, it's just a much more safe thing and I, and i'm just saying that to to um to kind of illustrate how i, I don't know it just never seemed really like it was uh cuz you'll see you'll see a lot of like the the entrepreneurs or the influencers will say like you know you don't need to buy like drive your old car like you know dave ramsey even says turn in your old car like you just bought a car screw it turn in but it's just interesting that it's not very frequently brought up as a solution to just increase your income—that extra five hundred bucks a month or whatever the car payment is—and these other an- ancillary benefits. Like, it is safer. It's cheaper on insurance. You don't pay for gas. Like the net cost of uh, a Tesla, when you factor Oops. in all of the savings, it's really not that expensive. Like, they're they're yeah. really not. No, I think it, it. They're getting better and all that kind of stuff. But I think
1: kind of taking it back to retirement, right? So. Uh, I think um, I think we take like I take it back to the basics right now. Granted, I haven't retired. You haven't retired. You probably know better than me from your perspective. What should someone be investing into the retirement plan at different ages? Right, like I'm sure you run the numbers and that kind of things. But you know, like when you're young, like I'm sure you've seen successful people retire, unsuccessful people retire. What does that look like? What do you what do you see? Is it like, hey, invest in the stock market, do the index fund thing, yeah. and then once you're 40, do annuities or do an IUL? Or yeah, uh, for, or for those people who have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, maybe explain <laughs> some of those things, you know? But uh, yeah, I think I think that
0: anyone will agree that the key is is to kind of start early, but also to not invest in something that you don't know exactly what it is, and I think you should really invest in things that are kind of uh, in line with what you know about you should know about it so you can have more control over it so from a very like when you first start working probably the easiest vehicle to get in is a roth account you can save up to six thousand dollars there's not very many 18 year olds that would save six grand a year Um, and you know there's whatever the numbers are a hundred dollars a month from the time that you're 18 until you're 65 is going to get you you know a million and a half dollars in your account or something even if the stock market isn't the best investment, okay, a Roth account you pay tax on once, which when you're younger you're not paying that much tax, and you never pay tax ever again on the growth. So my personal strategy is kind of like a barbell strategy between um, real estate and equities, and 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 so you know if you look at just the average of, and I'm not talking about necessarily a 401k. Um, because those do have some disadvantages, but if you just look at the average rate of return of the S and P 500 over the last 30 years, it's 10%. Um, so, and there are like, yeah, sometimes you can't take it out to your 59 and a half or, you know, the market corrects or whatever. Um, but there aren't too many people that have, uh, contributed. You just look at the history of the stock market. There aren't very many people that have contributed to that for 30 years and absolutely said that was the worst thing that they'd ever done i haven't heard anyone say that and if you look at the cost basis which is the initial investment on a retirement account from 30 years ago you're seeing two hundred thousand dollars invested in a million and a half dollars in in the account value Mm. can you get better in real estate yeah you can i mean that's kind of why i've started to hedge and invest in uh, different type of real estate deals because they have a tax advantage and uh, you for depreciation you can depreciate you can get rid of some of your income and then also those have capital appreciation and also they can pay you monthly and so you know i but i think it's not really a clear answer i think just you know start early if it's early on and then get educated on whatever field that you want to invest in so you know about it and then from there you'll be able to decide for yourself what investment makes the most sense you see what i mean
1: Okay. And so, so, uh, and let me just summarize a little bit. So let's say I'm 18 to 25, probably just get a Roth IRA, do something, right? If I'm 25 to 40, do I go seek a financial advisor? Do I seek a fiduciary? Uh, do I go to H&R Block? Who, who, like I know they do taxes. Maybe they do financial advice too. Is there something there I should go to if I'm an
0: employee versus a business owner? What's the difference there? Well, I think, I think, you're, the biggest investment you can make is the investment in yourself and until you've gotten to a point where you're making a very good amount of income if you're an entrepreneur or even if you're a w2 employee there's still a lot of investments that you can make in yourself to get yourself to say you know 200,000 a year, 300, 400,000 a year as a w2 or as an entrepreneur. So I think the most important investment you can make is an investment in yourself whether it's coaching, whether it's mentoring, a course uh, education, a skill set, the time investment in yourself. Those are the things that people overlook. They go, I got $5,000, how should I invest? Well, invest in in skills for yourself. You know, Learn how to do something. But I don't think you need a financial advisor. It's very, very simple to just do an index fund, like an S&P 500 index fund. If you're 18 years old to 25 years old, just start putting money in there. And then also have the discipline to, to save at least, you know, the, the rule of thumb is 10%. The saving 10% of your income, it really isn't going to make that big of an impact. So I think you're talking more along the lines of 30, 40, 50% of your income. And, and then again, educate yourself from there. If you get to a point, you're maxing out your Roth. Nobody contributed to a Roth for 30 years and they go, oh, that's the worst thing I ever did. Now, can the timing be bad? Yeah, if you wanted to retire in 2008 and your portfolio was down 30%, then obviously that's it's not ideal, but it's still up 300% from where it would have been had you done nothing. Sure. Sure. Okay. Good. So, you wouldn't? Do you not
1: recommend financial advisors in general, or or is that like just get yourself educated, like because you're a financial advisor, so it, it seems a little contradictory, but yeah, I, I could be wrong. So, so maybe enlighten me, like why why not?
0: Well, like there's, a cu- my- there's a couple of tiers because if you don't have a substantial amount of assets, you don't have to necessarily worry about um, asset allocation, estate planning, tax implications. It's pretty cookie cutter until you get to a point where you're making too much income to where you have to get creative with the tax solutions or you're paying three, four, five hundred thousand dollars 500000 a year in federal tax. And then you start looking at investments to mitigate that. But a financial advisor, really a good financial advisor will help you mitigate um or create a tax efficiency help you with your estate planning to for a tax friendly environment and then also come up with an overall strategy for different asset classes to coordinate everything together if you're just Uh starting out in 10 15 years if you've got 50 grand 100 grand even 200 grand you don't even have any of those problems necessarily you could get a financial advisor you know and pay them one percent of your total assets every year for them to do essentially what I'm saying, which is put it in S and P 500 tracking funds. If you want to go more aggressive, you can, if you want to go a little more conservative, you can, but the expense ratios on those funds are so low that no, I mean, I don't think you need a financial advisor until you've got a substantial amount of assets, you've got good income and then you have the tax problem, the estate problem or the asset allocation until you want to get into more like advanced markets, you know,
1: makes sense. Good. Well, that's good information to have. You know, I think that's uh Probably helps everybody listening to the channel.
0: Yeah, and particularly like nearing retirement, that's actually a really important time in the last 10 years before you retire. Uh, it's a very good time to look at getting a financial advisor and at least doing a consultation and asking someone because a lot of times people leave stuff on the table. They don't know about a change or one particular rule or one particular exception to their situation to where you know, I've met with people and we've saved them tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars By just switching one thing around or moving an asset to another location or uh, doing for example roth conversions to avoid something called required minimum distributions which is when you turn 72 the irs makes you take your money out even if you don't need it and so if you Mm. get to that point you've got a bunch of assets and you haven't planned for that then you can get hit with a big tax bill so there's a number of reasons why you would need a financial advisor really close to retirement but like 18 to 30 invest in yourself 500 bucks a month into into a Roth account and then start to get educated on real estate if you want to look at real estate if you want to look at private equity if you want to look at buying a business there's just tons of different investments you can do I think your interest in your education um, will drive where you land you know a typical factory worker isn't necessarily going to be worried about real estate arbitrage or flipping or Airbnb rentals he's not going to want to do that maybe he does but I don't know yeah who knows but uh, that's good i think again you know, i like just as an
1: overview right like if you're under 30 start start with the roth ra get get yourself uh, educated you know 30 to 50 make lots of money be successful ideally live the life you want to live that that would be my recommendation look you're 35 take a take the summer off right have a job where yeah. you don't where you, where you have three weeks off right like uh, yeah. In Europe, five weeks off is the standard, right? Like that is not the unusual it's the standard. Yeah. There's countries that like basically take the month of August off because like Sweden, I think August is their month off or something because it's like the one sunny month they have. So almost all businesses shut down that month, right? So like take some time, enjoy it with your family.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, look, if you got to work to 65 instead of 64, you're going to remember that summer, right? Like, and the summer's now, yeah. not, never going to kill you off, right? Yeah, and yeah. as you yeah. get closer to closer to retirement, get with a financial advisor, know where you're at, make sure you're not missing any opportunities, right? Like I think, especially in your 60s, there's all like, okay, do you retire? Social Security, this, then. You know, the other question I have do you ever talk to people about leaving the U.S. right, like retiring and then moving elsewhere? Because I see articles about that, like move to Portugal. Uh, cost yeah. of living is so much cheaper. You know, Mexico. Some questionabilities there just because of like gangs and wars and yeah, gang yeah. wars, right? Not wars in general, but gang wars. But
0: any thoughts on that? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't worked with anyone specifically through that process. I've definitely talked to people about it, and the the concept obviously is just utilizing the currency uh, difference the the exchange rate between us dollars and another currency so yeah maybe maybe mexico not the most the best place to go in terms of that but in you know some south american countries it's very very cheap to live there you can live on you know twice as good for a third of the money and it's the same way in you know a lot of other places in the world and i think it's You know, there's probably some citizenship implications in there in terms of how long you're allowed to stay. some some countries you might be able to stay three months and then you got to leave for two weeks or a month and you can go back. But I think it's it's definitely worth looking into, like if you have a desire to stay in another country, even for half of the year, you know, you could work out a deal where your cost of living is is very, very low. And it could certainly be a solution if you haven't, you know, prepared for retirement or if you if you desire to do that, you know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That makes sense.
0: I would say, you know, I, I would say the takeaway here is really to just, for, for me anyway, just actually enjoy, like, you don't have to wait till you retire to have fun. You don't have to wait to retire to, to spend time with your kids or your grandkids or your family or to take vacations. That's the common belief. But you can actually create a scenario where you are living a retired type of life um, well before then you know, you still might have to punch in, you still have to do the work, you might have a job that sucks. But there are ways to create that solution to where you, you, you can have that type of life well before you turn 65. And you know, you you retire and just quit for good.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think if you spend five to seven years hustling in your 20s, right? Uh, once you, if you have a college degree, fine after college, really hustle, find the opportunity, find an opportunity where you can make at least $200,000 and not yeah. somebody who's telling you, Oh yeah, you can make 200,000. Show me who has already done it. Are you doing it? Okay. What employee in your company has done it? Right. Yeah. Um, what's the career path five to seven years, whether you go into the insurance space, sales opportunities, really anywhere in sales though, Yeah. you know, some sales opportunities kind of suck. You're only making 10 bucks an hour and whatever. Yeah. You just got to realize that, 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 not all sales are equal. I think, you know, yeah. hustle till you're 30, you know, maybe start building your own business, build your side hustle. And then I think in your thirties, you should have the opportunity, go fly to Europe, go travel across the U S find a job you can do from anywhere. Uh, you know, not everybody can do that. Right. But you know, so so just take one, right. Take a month off. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if it's some of it's unpaid, save the money, go take the month off, go to Europe, right. Go to, yeah. go to Asia. Right. Like I want to, I want to go see Dubai. I want to go to South America, Machu Picchu, right? Like, just yeah, yeah, freaking live life.
0: Yeah, yeah. The nurse, uh, the nurse that was doing our last um, IV therapy, had just come back from Dubai, and she had tons of pictures. Now, I went to Dubai. It's actually I went to Jebel Ali, which is the port just outside of Dubai, in two thousand and three when we when we ported over there. <laughs> which Dubai was basically a dust bowl at that point in time. I mean, Oof. there was like there was nothing there. And she showed me these pictures of like the mall and the aquarium and the Burj and like all these different hotels. And I was ready to book my flight. As soon as she showed me all these pictures, I was like, I was like, I was talking (laughs) to Talia and um, we were like, yeah, let's go. Let's go to Dubai. That's next for us.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, we're going in December. Uh, If we want to figure out how to make this a business trip, let's figure that out. Uh
0: (laughs) Are you already, you're already booked and ready to go?
1: Not booked. We're we're planning a, a small Europe trip in uh in June, and then potentially we're thinking of going uh back to Germany since I've got family there in December, and then flying on to Dubai and then Maldives, and maybe cool. somewhere else. Like because we're already kind of you're already kind of halfway around the world. Yeah, so you're yeah. Going yeah. somewhere like maybe Thailand, Japan. We're just gotta figure out if the season, if winter's the right season to go there. Because obviously Dubai winter's actually the perfect season to go. because yeah. Summer is like monsoon or rains yeah. or whatever, but winter is perfect. So yeah. I uh, just going to figure somewhere else to go at that same time.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun, man. Well we're gonna we'll start planning a trip. Let's let's do our um put our money where our mouth is retirement trip. Like,
1: <laughs> like uh, you sorry.
0: guys you guys say you can retire in your thirties, well <laughs> do a podcast from the, the, the top lounge <laughs> in the verge or something like that.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent. Why not? Let's let's put our money where our mouth is. Let's go to Dubai, let's do a podcast. You guys hold us to it. If we're not in, uh, in Dubai in December, you better call us out.
0: <laughs> I love it. Very good, um, man. Well, hopefully that was, was helpful. Just kind of clarify some of those points about retirement. You know, the, the end, the sort of big picture is just like, enjoy, enjoy life, figure out a way to overcome things, be busy, be doing stuff. And, and, and you know, when you do get to that age, It's not necessarily like a light switch that just goes off. It's just like another phase of, okay, that phase of my life is done, but it still could be fun. You don't have to have necessarily tons of money, although the 10, 20, 30 million with a passive income is good. It doesn't necessarily make you, you know, a success, I'll say. Yeah, I would agree. Cool, man. All right. That's all for today. We'll see you guys next week.